following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know Him and make Him known. Some of you already have Christmas lights and Christmas decorations up. Um, let me just say, good for you. Uh, I've never been a Christmas lights guy. I've never been really a Christmas decoration guy. Um, Aaron decorates like our living room and our front porch a little bit, but I have never been one who puts out lights and, and does all that stuff. I feel like if I tried, I'd look like Clark Griswold, you know, falling off the ladder, stapling himself to the roof, destroying the gutters and everything. Like, I feel like it would just be a disaster. Um, and, and, and more than that, it's just not something I want to do. It's not something that brings me joy to put up Christmas lights. Again, if that's you, that's awesome. I am so thankful that God made people like you um, because if everybody was like me, it'd be a very boring world. (laughs) But but it just, it doesn't bring me joy. And it's not the way I want to spend my time. And I don't say that to say everybody should spend their time like me. I say that just to say, we all have the same 24 hours in a day and we all have the same seven days in a week. And we all have the same 30-some days of the Christmas season. Whether we believe that in the moment or not, it's true. And what that means is we each have to decide how we're going to spend our hours, our days, our weeks, our years, and our time. When it comes to Christmas and this Christmas season, again, we'll all have the same next 30 days or so to decide how we're going to spend the holiday season. Yes, there are always things that have to get done. But in all honesty, we all have a lot of freedom when it comes to how we spend a good deal of our time, our energy, and our focus. And so the question we have to ask ourselves right now at the very beginning of this Christmas season is, how should we spend the capital of our time, our energy, and our focus during the Christmas season? Where should that be set? And you're like, I know, it's Jesus. Right. You're 100% correct. It is Jesus. But that leads us to the question then of how do we not just make Jesus the center of our focus, our time and our energy, but how do we keep Jesus at the center of our focus and the center of our thoughts during the weeks ahead? Today, Uh, We're starting this new series we're calling Simple Christmas. And over the next several weeks, we will take time answering this question. How do we keep Jesus as the focus of our lives in the midst of everything else going on? And today, we want to look at just three steps to keep Jesus at the center of our focus and at, at the center of our thoughts, even in the midst of what can be a chaotic, anxious, and sometimes overly busy season of the year. So how do we do that? Number one, we remember the promise of peace. Remember the promise of peace. We find this in Psalm chapter 46, um, really in verse 10. And, And when we get to verse 10, it's a verse that many of you know by heart, even if you have no idea where it is in the Bible, or even if you had no idea that it was actually in the Bible. You've heard this verse, you know this verse. But before we get to verse 10, I wanna lay out the rest of 
this psalm and read a couple of verses uh, at the beginning of the psalm and, and show you how we get here. So Psalm 46, it starts in verses one and two. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas. Okay, you hear that right off the bat? God is our fortress. God is our strength. No matter what happens in the world around me, I know that I'm secure in the God who created the heavens and the earth. So I don't have to be afraid. You get down to verse nine and it says, he makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze, right? And this is really talking about military battle here. So what all of this points to, and he says, yes, the mountains tremble, the earth shakes, all of this stuff that can't make me afraid because my trust is in the Lord. And it says, even the battles and the attacks that come from outside, There is no army, there is no battle, there is nothing that can come against me that can make me afraid because my trust is in the Lord. In verse 10, then we get this. With all of this being said about the God that we know and love and serve. Verse 10 says, stop fighting and know that I am God exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. Stop fighting. This is the first command that God gives here. He says, you know who I am. You know your security, your trust, your hope, your peace. Everything is in me. Now, stop fighting. Some of your translations say, be still. And that may be the translation you're familiar with. Be still. And what that word is talking about there, when it says, be still or stop fighting, it's not, hey, get the ants out of your pants and just sit down and do nothing. It's talking, the, the literal word there is, Go slack. The picture is of a rope, right? If I tie a rope to that wall and I hold it out here and I pull it really tight, there's a lot of tension in that rope, isn't there? You can play it like a guitar string if you get it tight enough. To go slack is to relax it. Don't hold the tension. Don't hold the tightness. Don't fight with it. Give it some slack. Give it slack, give it rest, give it peace. Right, so be at peace. God says, be at peace. Why? He says, because you know that I alone am God and that there is no other. Stop fighting, go slack, be at peace and know that I am God. Stop fighting and know both of those words are uh, what we call imperatives, I mean, they're direct commands from God. He doesn't say, unless you have a better idea, go ahead and try these things. No, he says, you do this. You stop fighting and know that I am God. These are direct commands. And then he says two things. He he says, know that I am God. I am the God who is exalted among the nations, exalted on all the earth. Again, to get a little grammar nerd on you. In the Hebrew language, this word exalted in both cases is an imperfect tense. In the Hebrew language, the imperfect tense means it's something that is ongoing and is not completed until the future. So what God is saying here is stop fighting. Be at peace because you know that I am God. I'm reigning and ruling over this earth now. 
but my exaltation, the complete and utter worship of who I am will not be fulfilled until the future. It's going on now, but it will be fulfilled in the future, right? The commands that God gives are for right now. It's for you and me. Do these things. But the complete promise of his peace is set in the future. If you've ever gone on a long vacation, Aaron and I went through this this last summer when, when I took my sabbatical, we took five weeks of vacation. And you know this. If you take five weeks of vacation, then in the two weeks before you go on vacation, you do five weeks worth of work. And the two weeks when you get back, you do another six weeks worth of work. Somehow you've done an extra like nine weeks of work in order to get those five weeks of vacation. You ever do that? You ever have that happen? Like, man, there's so, we got to get all this stuff done so we can go on vacation. Why? You're doing the work you know you need to do now for the completion of that promise of rest that will come in the future. We live in a chaotic world in this time, don't we? In this day and age, it's a chaotic world. And while we, as followers of Jesus, have a unique peace in this world, we will never be fully 100% at peace because our world is in turmoil and because we live in this upheaval, right? We tend to get sucked into the chaos of this life. Maybe you don't, I do. I'll just speak for myself. I tend to get sucked into the chaos of life, but as God's promise to his children is a complete peace. God has promised you and has promised me a complete peace. Not a moment, not a season, not a brief respite from the chaos, but an eternal rest, hope, joy, and peace in him. We see this in Hebrews chapter nine, or Hebrews chapter four, verses nine through 11. The author of Hebrews is, is telling us about Joshua and him leading the Israelites into the promised land. He says, therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Okay, We don't have time to read the whole context of this chapter. But again, he's saying Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land where they should have had peace and rest, right? But what happens when they get there? There's wars and there's battles. And what happens through the rest of the history of Israel? There are wars and there are battles and they are beat down and they are defeated. Why? Because they never fully surrendered to the Lord. They never gave themselves completely. And so living in the midst of a a, a fallen world, these fallen people never met the full peace of Christ. It's because peace isn't fulfilled when we stop walking. Peace wasn't fulfilled for the Israelites when they reached the promised land and said, okay, we're here, we've arrived. And the same will be true for our lives. Full and complete peace will not be reached when we're like, hey, I know enough of the Bible. Hey, I've been to church enough times. Hey, I've got enough answers. That won't bring us peace. Peace is only found 
in the fullness of the righteousness of our God. A full and complete peace will only be found when we reach that eternity in his presence. And that shouldn't, that shouldn't leave us feeling defeated, right? That shouldn't be something we look at and go, well, I guess I'm just going to be miserable in this life. I can be at peace when I get to heaven. No, no, that's not the point. The point is we have a unique peace in this life because of Jesus Christ. We'll talk about this in a minute. But don't let those moments of chaos and the ways the world pushes in around you make you go, well, God must not be there because I'm just not fully 100% at peace. I still have moments where I struggle. I still have times where things seem out of control. That's not because God has abandoned you. That's because you're human. But there is a promise of that full and complete peace when we rest in the righteousness of God. We endure struggles and heartache in this world because we know that this is not our home and we look forward to that promise of peace. Do we live with a constant awareness and remembrance of peace in light of God's sovereign authority? Even in the chaos, do we still live knowing that there is peace in our God? because he has already delivered the eternal victory. We remember the promise of peace. But then, we look to Jesus. We remember the promise of God's peace, and then we celebrate the agent of peace. Celebrate the agent of peace. If you turn to Luke Chapter 2, in Luke chapter 2, um, in this passage, we get the story of uh, the, the shepherds out in the field, right? And the angelic host shows up and proclaims the birth of Christ to them. They proclaim God's glory through the incarnation and the peace that that glory brings. When we look at what, they, what, what the angels proclaim in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Peace on earth to people he favors. God's peace was promised in the Psalms. We saw that in Psalm 46. We see it in Psalms, like Psalm 72, verse 7, where it says, May the righteous flourish in his days, and well-being abound until the moon is no more. Psalm 72 is Solomon talking about himself and his hope for his reign, but he's foreshadowing, looking forward to the Messiah, to Jesus. It says, The righteous flourish in his days, and well-being abound until the moon is no more. If there's a peace, there's a calm. But the agent of the fulfillment of that promise, the agent of the fulfillment of that peace comes not until we get to the form of a child in a manger in Bethlehem. Because when the angels proclaim glory to God in the highest heavens, they understand that Jesus 
Jesus is the glory of God. He's the very image of the glory of God come into human existence. Again, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter one, verse three says, the son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. It says, you wanna, you wanna see the glory of God, you see Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, who brings peace to God's faithful children. People whom he favors, in Luke 2, 14, who are the people he favors? It's not some special group of people. God favors you and you and you, not you, but you. No, it's those who trust the Lord, who serve him faithfully, who give their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength to him. Jesus brings peace to God's faithful children. Listen, we celebrate Jesus for so many reasons in our lives. Not only is he our savior, our redeemer, our king, our high priest, our intercessor to the throne of God, among many other things, but he is the agent of God's peace. He is the one who delivers God's peace. Because again, remember, apart from the work of Jesus Christ, we all, every single one of us, are like lost sheep who have gone astray. We deserve absolutely, positively, nothing good. We have earned absolutely, positively, nothing good in our lives or with our lives. Isaiah 64 Verse six, right? All our righteous acts are like a polluted garment, a dirty, bloody, pus-filled rag. Right, if that makes you uncomfortable, realize I'm underselling how nasty Isaiah is talking about this garment. He says, that's the very best that you have to offer. And yet, in spite of all that, we have a God who loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who willingly left the throne of heaven to come into this world, the one that we had broken, the one that we have brought destruction and deception and death into. He willingly came so that he could be hungry and thirsty and tired. He willingly came so that he could be spit upon and mocked and ridiculed and beaten. He willingly came so that he could be nailed to a cross where he would bleed and suffer in ways you and I honestly could not imagine in this life. He willingly came so that he would be pierced for our transgressions. He willingly came so that his dead body could be laid in a tomb where it would sit. He willingly came so that on the third day he would rise declaring the final defeat of sin and death. He willingly came so that he could ascend to the right hand of the Father, where he is our advocate before the throne of a good, holy, and perfect God. He willingly came so that you and I, who deserve nothing good in our lives, could know the love of the Father, could be redeemed, bought back, from what we owe. 
because of Jesus' intervention, we are no longer enslaved to the rottenness of our human flesh. Because of Jesus' intervention, we have the peace of knowing what it means to be loved and saved and welcomed into the family of God. What this means is that if, if we surrender to Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, submitting to his reign and his rule as king, then we don't have to worry about whether we will be good enough or strong enough, righteous enough, knowledgeable enough. We have the peace of knowing that in Christ, we have everything that we need. We have the peace of knowing that while you and I will fail constantly in this life, there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. If we're not going to celebrate that, I don't think you've understood a word I just said. Listen, are we continually seeking peace in people, in places, in accomplishments, things that will never deliver peace in our lives? Or do we look to the agent of peace? Do we look to Christ and Christ alone? and find our peace in him. We remember the promise of God's peace. We remember that that delivers us peace in this life, but sets us up for the fulfillment of peace in all of eternity. We celebrate the agent of peace, Jesus Christ, who delivers us to that peace. But even celebrating Jesus as the agent of peace, there's still one more step we need to take. And that is to embrace the King of Peace. Embrace the King of Peace. To celebrate Jesus as the agent of peace is, is really an act of knowledge. Yes, we know who he is. We know what he's done. That's great. But knowledge never saves We must embrace the king of peace. Mark chapter four, verse 39. And we could really go to any number of passages in the gospel accounts to show how Jesus is the king of peace um, and how he rules over his creation and brings God's peace, brings the father's peace to this world. Um, But we're gonna look at this one because I like this passage. That's the reason I chose this one, right? Like I said, there's lots of them but I like this one. So in Mark chapter four, and actually I'm going to read verse 36 through verse 40. It says, so they left the crowd and they, here's is the disciples. They left the crowd and took him, Jesus, along since he was in the boat. The other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. 
Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Man, I love that. I, I would love to spend the next half hour talking about these few verses, um, but I, you might get up and walk out because that's just too long to spend on these verses right now. But <laughs> let's look at just a couple of things here, a couple of, of, of key things here, right? What is the command that Jesus gives the turbulence of creation, the chaos that's going on, that's swirling around him, that's terrifying these seasoned veterans of the sea? What's the command? He says, silence, be stilled. Silence, the word used here is, is sometimes translated as peace. Peace. Be stilled. And what happens? The wind and the waves are still and peaceful. The wind and the waves recognize the voice of their creator and respond to his command. Without Jesus' intervention, the storm rages on. Right? You notice that? The storm didn't quit when Jesus showed up. He was there the whole time. It's when, with Jesus' intervention... With just a word from the king, the seas and the storm are stilled. I told you I don't decorate for Christmas, but like I said, Aaron does. So we have Christmas decorations that came down the stairs on Friday from the, from the attic. If I took those boxes of Christmas decorations and I could walk into the living room, I'm like, time to decorate. I pick those boxes up and I just dump them in the middle of the floor. Take the next one, dump it in the middle of the floor. Take the next one, dump it in the middle of the floor. And what, what do you get? You get a mess. You get a disaster. You get complete and utter chaos. But if you take those exact same decorations and now I let Erin come in and do what she does and puts each one of those things right where they need to be, and sets them out so they look just right. Now you come into our living room, and it is a peaceful Christmas scene that fills you with joy if you're into decorations. <laughs> the difference is not now there are different decorations, the difference is the purposeful hand at work. That purposeful hand brings peace and meaning and purpose to what is otherwise chaotic. This Christmas season, every single one of us can run around like chickens with our heads cut off, getting houses, rooms, and cookies decorated. We could go nonstop from one party to one program to one performance to the next. There's no shortage of opportunities for us to run, 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 run. 
And if we choose to go this way, I promise you, we will lose sight of the joy and the hope and the peace of the birth of Jesus Christ in the midst of the chaos of this time of year. And listen, that chaos doesn't even have to be you going other places. You can be sitting at home on your couch and be lost in the chaos of the season because our focus is not where our focus needs to be. And I say this not to say we should cease all Christmas activity. No, I'm not saying that all, that at all. For some of us, some of that busyness is joyful, right? It's fun to go watch your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or your nephews in programs to go to a, a, a gathering with friends or a meal with family. Some of that chaos is, is joyful. Some of it is just unavoidable. But the question is, and this is the question we have to ask ourselves, are we finding time in this Christmas season to decelerate? Are we finding time in the midst of everything else going on whether that's activities that bring joy or ones that you just can't avoid, do we find time to decelerate, to slow down and consider the meaning of Christmas and bask in the peace of Jesus Christ? See, when we embrace Jesus as our King and our authority in all of life, then we will find peace even in the chaos of the Christmas season, just as we will in the chaos of what comes in January, because don't think you'll get through Christmas and then everything will slow down. It doesn't ever happen. But with Jesus as our focus, as our king, we find peace in the chaos of any given season. Especially at this time of year. And what that means for us is that our, our, our decorating takes on new meaning as we see it not as just a way to put up a show for the neighbors, but it's a way to share the joy that we have in the coming of the Messiah and to share that with the world. Our songs of tradition take on new significance, not just as a reminder of years gone by, but as an expression of hearts that are in awe of who Jesus is and what he has done and what he continues to do. Our gatherings take on new power as we share the grace of Christ with one another. And in all of this, we find a joyous and hope-filled peace in the reign of Jesus Christ. Will we embrace Jesus, not only as the deliverer of peace, but as the king of the complete peace that has been promised to us by the God who created the heavens and the earth? Thanksgiving is over, and the Christmas season has begun. For the next month, we will all be inundated by Christmas commercials and movies and advertisements. We'll go to Christmas programs and parties and, and meals. And for most of us, there will be plenty of time spent baking, cooking, eating, shopping, doing all the things we do at Christmas. And once again, all of these things are well and good. There's nothing wrong with any of them. 
And as we've said, they can be a part of a wonderful Christmas celebration. But if we don't take time throughout the Christmas season to quiet our minds, to decelerate the pace of our thoughts and our activities, then we will rush through the next few weeks in a spiritual whirlwind while missing the centrality of God's love, grace, mercy, glory, sacrifice, and victory that has been laid in the manger in Bethlehem. Instead, we have to find those times to slow down, to remember the promise of God's peace, to celebrate the agent of God's peace, and to embrace the king of peace. And in doing so, we will find that settled space in which our minds are are focused solely on Jesus Christ who delivers the Father's peace through the filling of his Holy Spirit in our lives. Church family, may we be a people of obvious, joyous, and countercultural peace in the midst of every activity and every gathering and every exchange, every card, every moment. Let us reflect the peace of Christ with minds set on the purpose of his kingdom through his victory by the power of his compassionate love. And may the peace of Christ rule in our hearts this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Father God, We thank you for who you are. We are so grateful that you have loved us, saved us, redeemed us, and welcomed us into your family. And Lord, we repent uh, of the ways in which we have allowed this world to steal the peace that we have in you. We repent of the ways that we get caught up in everything else going on around us. And and you know how easy that is for us. Again, whether that's running to events or, or sitting at home, letting our thoughts spin out. There are endless ways that we allow the chaos of the world to overwhelm us and steal the peace that we have in you. And so, Lord, we repent And we turn back to you. And right now, as we begin this Christmas season, as we celebrate over the the coming weeks, we pray that you would renew in our minds the centrality of Jesus Christ, the truth and the beauty of the gospel, the peace that we have in remembering that We are not saved because of who we are. But we are redeemed by the life, the death, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may that peace overwhelm us in the days ahead. May it mold and shape our celebrations. May it constantly remind us of how incredible you are. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And in your great and awesome name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.